0: Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Broffle, and today we're talking with Nick Mink, the president of Sitka Salmon Shares, and their Minnesota community manager, Richie Mann. Thank you both for being with us today. You bet. So, just before the break, um, which I apologize profusely for having to interrupt you. Um, it's my Minnesota nights nice coming out that I am upset that I had to do that, Nick. <laughs> but you were starting to, you were telling us about the fishermen owners and um, how they get involved. And I was wondering if you could share with us, maybe uh, give us an example of one of your owners and how they got started with you and and kind of what's happened in their life since.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've built this company around an ownership model and a community model of these uh, fishermen who own the company and participate in governance and you know, we had our first two or th- we had our first three fishermen, um, who came on and owned. And like, when they first did that, that was a really radical act, right? We were starting a new company, um, it's, it was, you know, highly risky. Um, but then I think a lot of our owners kind of come to us, like, um, we have a, a fisher named, fisherman named Drew Tahar. He uh, bought in about six years ago um, as one of our earlier non-founding owners and um, you know most of our fishermen who come in and own part of the company are um, you know part of a community of fishermen that has gotten to know salmon shares through selling to us like the world of small scale fishermen and fishermen in general it's a very kind of closed social network so You know, you've got your one buddy and the one buddy says, oh yeah, I've sold the salmon shares or I got involved with them. It's been really great. And then they tell somebody like, you know, Marsh, who was one of our co-founders, told Drew. And then, you know, generally the process is, is, you know, someone like Drew, they, we, we give them the specs that we want, which is, you know, like I said, a little bit different than most of the ways in which, um, the, the fleet fishes. And, uh, you know, we, we test the water, so to speak. They do a few deliveries for us and, you know, we give them feedback on their fish and see if it works out for us. And, uh, if it, if it does and it works out for them, then we, they, we usually figure out a way for them to buy in. And, you know, Drew is like many of, uh, our boats is that, you know, there's something not pleasing for a lot of the people who, fishermen who come to, the salmon shares, which is, you know, they take great pride in the fish they catch. Mm-hmm. And they really are um, uncomfortable with, you know, good handling practices and making sure their fish are well taken care of. And then they just sell their fish to a processor normally. And it goes off into a global commodity market where it's, you know, where their hard work is not valued uh, where it's being pooled with the fish from hundreds, if not thousands, of other fishermen, and you know the real one of the real values that we add for um, people in our fleet like Drew and and you know the twenty four others is that they they really appreciate and like knowing that people. <laughs> know who they are at the end of the line, you know, all of our fish is traceable back to one of our fishing vessels and we tell stories about them and we allow our members to get to know who they are. And so, you know, for someone like anybody in our fleet, they, they really, uh, there's a huge value, you know, in knowing who eats their food in the same way that for so many, you know, consumers now, one of the best ways to really ensure that you're eating food that's ethical and smartly sourced and sustainable is knowing who that producer is and and uh and the same goes the other way our producers really like to know who eats their fish because it it adds value to the you know incredibly hard work um you know that they do Um, drew is actually you know just to talk a little bit about him he's pretty unique in that he's not one of our second or third generation fishermen Drew moved up to the, to Alaska from Ohio, I think, seven or eight years ago and got on a boat and uh, found out that he was really passionate about fishing. And then, like many, uh, you know, go from being a deckhand where you're basically helping a captain catch a fish to uh, buying his own, own boat. He ran his own boat for a year before he became a, an owner of salmon shares. And now he's you know one of our most uh, important king uh, and coho uh, fishermen. And so that's you know and 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 most of our fishermen all are like or all of our fishermen are like Drew. They they want to know who's at the end of their line. They want to capture more value for catching fewer fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're not into kind of a high volume production ethos. They're into a low volume, high value production ethos, and you know that's that's really different than most, I'd say. People who harvest fish in Alaska, I mean, there's incredible fisheries in Alaska, but, you know, I think the dominant ethos is you harvest fish like you cut down a tree or you harvest fish like you would mine a gold or a mineral. It's a, it's natural resource extraction. And, and, and for us, we, we as, as a company and all of our fishermen really understand that this is, this is so much more than natural resource extraction, right? This is producing food that is going to go on someone's plate, and that philosophy is is really, you know, profoundly ingrained in all of our fishermen, and not just from the company, but from their own like uh, understandings of w- why they value, um, you know, being being a, a Alaska fisherman.
0: Well, and you can certainly tell the difference. In the product itself, we get the salmon chairs ourselves and uh, the product is just phenomenal. Never have had fish like that. So thank you. It's also, you know, it's also really taking a look at this is where they live. This is where they live. This is where they, this is where they work. This is where they're they're raising their kids. And um So really, taking a look at how to be more responsible, and I know one of the areas that you are particularly interested in is climate change and how it's impacting the fish that you put on your plate.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, to to speak to that point and and to tie it to climate change, I mean, these small boat fishermen who we work with, they all live in the communities where they fish, Mm -hmm. right? So... That's so different than like how a lot of fisheries are what is called prosecuted, meaning how they're, how they take place, which is big boats that can chase fish across the ocean, right? And they go thousands and thousands of miles to be able to harvest fish and then they come back and bring them to a large port where they're all consolidated in. And that's so different than how our fishermen fish, which means they live in the community. I would say our fishery shed maybe in Sitka is about a hundred miles. So a hundred miles away from Sitka is about as far away as our fishermen typically go, but many of them are just fishing a couple dozen miles from, from shore. And, um, and so one, that means you've got to be a different steward of that resource. You have to understand how important the p- local habitat is and the local fish populations are to your well-being, and you're going to be much more invested in making sure that there's long-term uh, fish to harvest, rather than hey, we can just go across anywhere and anywhere in the ocean and go find the fish. And yeah, and when when we why come back, that impacts climate change. Oh, go ahead.
0: So when we come back, Nick, we're going to continue to talk about that and talk about how it does impact climate change or how it, climate change is impacting that. So for people who want to know more, they can go to com. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Broffle, and today we're talking with Nick Mink, the president of Sitka Salmon Shares, and their Minnesota community manager, Richie Mann. Thank you both for being with us today. You bet. So, just before the break, um, which I apologize profusely for having to interrupt you. Um, it's my Minnesota nights nice coming out that I am upset that I had to do that, Nick. <laughs> but you were starting to, you were telling us about the fishermen owners. And, um, how they get involved, and I was wondering if you could share with us maybe uh, give us an example of one of your owners and how they got started with you and, and kind of what's happened in their life since
1: yeah, I mean, you know we've built this company around an ownership model and a community model of these uh, fishermen who own the company and they participate in governance and you know, we had our first two or th- we had our first three fishermen um, who came on and owned. And like when they first did that, that was a really radical act. Right. We were starting a new company. Um, it's it was, you know, highly risky. Um, but then I think a lot of our owners kind of come to us like um, we have a, a fisher named fisherman named Drew Tahar. He uh, bought in about six years ago um, as one of our earlier non-founding owners. And, um, you know, most of our fishermen who come in and own part of the company are, um, you know, part of a community of fishermen that has gotten to know salmon shares through selling to us. Like the world of small scale fishermen and fishermen in general, it's a very kind of closed social network. So, You know, you've got your one buddy and the one buddy says, oh yeah, I've sold the salmon shares or I got involved with them. It's been really great. And then they tell somebody like, you know, Marsh, who was one of our co-founders, told Drew. And then, you know, generally the process is, is, you know, someone like Drew, they, we, we give them the specs that we want, which is, you know, like I said, a little bit different than most of the ways in which, um, the, the fleet fishes and uh you know we we test the water so to speak they do a few deliveries for us and you know we give them feedback on their fish and see if it works out for us and uh if it if it does and it works out for them then we they we usually figure out a way for them to buy in and you know drew is like many of uh, our boats is that you know there's something not pleasing for a lot of the people who fishermen who come to salmon shares, which is, you know, they take great pride in the fish they catch, Mm -hmm. and they really are um, uncomfortable with, you know, good handling practices and making sure their fish are well taken care of, and then they just sell their fish to a processor normally, and it goes off into a global commodity market where it's, you know, where their hard work is not valued uh, where it's being pooled with the fish from hundreds, if not thousands, of other fishermen. And, you know, the real, one of the real values that we add for, um people in our fleet like Drew and, and, you know, the 24 others is that they, they really appreciate and like knowing that people, <laughs> know who they are at the end of the line, you know, all of our fish is traceable back to one of our fishing vessels and we tell stories about them and we allow our members to get to know who they are. And so, you know, for someone like anybody in our fleet, they, they really, uh, there's a huge value, you know, in knowing who eats their food in the same way that for so many, you know, consumers now, one of the best ways to really ensure that you're eating food that's ethical and smartly sourced and sustainable is knowing who that producer is. And, and, uh, and the same goes the other way. Our producers really like to know who eats their fish because it, it adds value to the, you know, incredibly hard work, um, you know, that they do. Um, Drew is actually, you know, just to talk a little bit about him, he's pretty unique in that he's not one of our second or third generation fishermen, Drew moved up to the, to Alaska from Ohio, I think seven or eight years ago and got on a boat and, uh, found out that he was really passionate about fishing. And then like many, uh, you know, go from being a deckhand where you're basically helping a captain catch a fish to, uh, buying his own, own boat. He ran his own boat for a year before he became a, an owner of salmon shares. And now he's, you know, one of our most, uh, important king, uh, and coho, uh, fishermen. And so that's you know, and 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 most of our fishermen all are like, or all of our fishermen are like Drew. They they want to know who's at the end of their line. They want to capture more value for catching fewer fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not into kind of a high volume production ethos. They're into a low volume, high value production ethos, and you know that's that's really different than most, I'd say. People who harvest fish in Alaska, I mean, there's incredible fisheries in Alaska, but, you know, I think the dominant ethos is you harvest fish like you cut down a tree or you harvest fish like you would mine a gold or a mineral. It's a, it's natural resource extraction. And, and, and for us, we, we as, as a company and all of our fishermen really understand that this is, this is so much more than natural resource extraction, right? This is producing food that is going to go on someone's plate, and that philosophy is is really you know profoundly ingrained in all of our fishermen, and not just from the company but from their own like uh, understandings of w- why they value um, you know being being a, a Alaska fisherman
0: well, and you can certainly tell the difference. In the product itself, we get the salmon chairs ourselves and uh, the product is just phenomenal. Never have had fish like that. So thank you. It's also, you know, it's also really taking a look at this is where they live. This is where they live. This is where they work. This is where they're they're raising their kids. And... um, So really, taking a look at how to be more responsible, and I know one of the areas that you are particularly interested in is climate change and how it's impacting the fish that you put on your plate.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, to to speak to that point and and to tie it to climate change, I mean, these small boat fishermen who we work with, they all live in the communities where they fish, Mm -hmm. right? So that's so different than like how a lot of fisheries are what is called prosecuted meaning how they're how they take place which is big boats that can chase fish across the ocean right and they go thousands and thousands of miles to be able to harvest fish and then they come back and bring them to a large port where they're all consolidated in and that's so different than how our fishermen fish which means they live in the community. I would say our fishery shed maybe in Sitka is about 100 miles. So 100 miles away from Sitka is about as far away as our fishermen typically go, but many of them are just fishing a couple dozen miles from, from shore. And um, and so, one, that means you've got to be a different steward of that resource. You have to understand how important the p- local habitat is and the local fish populations. Are to your well-being, and you're going to be much more invested in making sure that there's long-term uh, fish to harvest, rather than hey, we can just go across anywhere and anywhere in the ocean and go find the fish. And, yeah.
0: and when when we why come back, that
1: impacts climate change. Oh, go ahead.
0: So when we come back, Nick, we're going to continue to talk about that and talk about how it does impact climate change. Or how it, climate change is impacting that. So for people who want to know more, they can go to com. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Conversations, where we meet the professionals straight from the pages of Natural Awakenings Magazine, who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today we're talking with Nick Mink, the president of Sitka Salmon Chairs and their Minnesota community manager, Richie Mann. So just before the break, uh, Nick, you were starting to tell us, or you were introducing us really uh, to your fishermen owners. And the work that they do and why it's so important, especially as residents and uh, stewards of their local communities. But one of the big things that is important to our readers and to our listeners is really the impact that uh, climate change is having on our food systems. So what is it that you're seeing with the fish that are coming out of the oceans? What are you seeing as uh, some of the changes that are happening?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, in some ways, uh, some of the changes are, are profound and, and, and quick. Um, and some ways they're, they're, they're very gradual. Um, but if you, if you think about climate and our oceans, I I think there's a couple, you know, things to keep in mind and, and, and why we are so concerned about this phenomenon, which is, you know, the oceans, um, are primarily, I think you know. Some studies say that about fifty uh, percent of all of that carbon that is being released in the atmosphere from burning fossil fuels is uh, being uh, re-sequestered in the ocean, um, and um, that's that's doing one thing called ocean acidification, which means that carbon is um, is. Uh, being sequestered by hydrogen ions, and um, what that's doing is it's it's not allowing um, shells to form um, in uh, zooplankton. And what that does is it pretty much is radically and quickly changing this uh, first part of the food chain, meaning what all of our salmon eat, what a lot of uh, uh, you know baby uh, fish eat, Uh, are these little zooplankton, and these zooplankton are having a harder and harder time with um, being able to form their shells, and thus we're seeing this like pretty radical change in the ocean food web, where this first place where the sun's energy becomes life in the ocean is now being remade because they can't make their shells, and what are the consequences of that? We are seeing, um, some of our salmon populations, um, having both unexpected increases in numbers, right? So it's not like, you know, all, all these fish are being wiped out. Um, some fish are doing really, really well in this new, uh, regime and some fish are unexpectedly, unexpectedly disappearing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, one example of that is pink salmon where, which are heavily reliant on zooplankton for feed. Um, And we've seen some of the worst pink salmon years that we've uh, ever seen um, in the last few years in Alaska. So bad that uh, uh, some of these pink salmon fisheries have been declared federal disaster areas. Um, And the second thing is, besides the sequestration of carbon in the oceans, which is remaking the food web, is, you know, oceans are warming, and they're warming more quickly Towards the poles, and uh, we've seen this summer in Sitka, we have regularly seen our little part of the ocean be about five degrees warmer than it normally is, and that's a that's an incredibly big difference to fish that are highly tied to um, uh, fish temperatures. I mean, it's amazing how much these thermoclines, as they uh, are called, affect. You know, things like species distribution, uh, biomass. And, you know, kind of what that means is, you know, we have, we, we have, for sustainability to work, we have to have good science and we have to have good models. But the predictive, uh, ability of our models, uh, to predict fish runs, to predict biomass, to predict species composition is increasingly, are increasingly less accurate. And, uh, you know, so what that means is that, you know, it's it's not a good or a bad thing. Some species are really going to thrive um, in these uh, coming decades in Alaska. We know, for instance, that, you know, key to salmon should be doing, you know, really well in this new environment. Uh, you know, fish like we catch, like rockfish, black bass, Pacific cod in some ways should be doing really well in this environment. But some species... Um, are not going to be doing as well like king salmon very likely coho salmon that you know have adapted to much more specific environments and then you know for our fisheries and for our fishermen, the real challenge is going to be that these models that have historically allowed us to plan our seasons and be sure about you know or or be more sure because you know it's a these are wild creatures but be more sure about what we're going to harvest and when we're going to harvest are going to be less and less accurate. And, you know, back to the last segment, which is we've got these small boat fishermen that are highly tied to these places, right? And so they can't just go chasing fish wherever they are. Right. And Mm -hmm. so they're the ones that are going to be most impacted by um, climate change because they can't just go, you know, racing off to uh, you know, 300 miles north because that just happens to be where the pocket of cool water is that the halibut are going to be in this year, right? And so, you know, for us in thinking about climate change and thinking about like, you know, consumers in, in the role in climate change is that, you know, the fish that we're going to be eating in the next couple of decades is going to have to be different than the fish that we're eating now, um, and we're going to need to be increasingly aware that the the changes that are uh, happening in our oceans are not going to be mitigated by just being able to go off, you know, further and further out with bigger and bigger boats to harvest these fish. And, um, you know, like it is with agriculture in the Midwest, um, you know, I think we're increasingly going to need to be, you know, looking at resilient solutions to be able to adapt to the changes that are going to take place in the and our, uh, and the un. I mean, I think it's not only change, but you know, the unknowns um, that are increasingly going to be. Um, uh, you know, everything's unknown, but are increasingly going to be happening um, to sort of disrupt how we have traditionally harvested food, be it fishermen or farmers. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what about you know, how is it impacting even the quality? Of the fish that's coming out, or the you know the nutritional um, aspects of it.
1: Oh, I I don't know if we uh, have seen you know or know of any uh, quality differences linked to climate change. I mean, obviously we know of uh, the real challenges that we have with uh, you know like uh, pollution, mm-hmm. uh, but you know the big the big thing with climate change is. Uh, for for our fleet and for fishermen in Alaska is the is the um, increasing risk that is involved in not knowing if the fish that have historically been in particular places are going to continue to be in places. And you know, thinking about it, these all, all these fishermen are small boat, you know, family operations. You know, how do you how do you make investments in your operations, um, to, um, you know, to either grow your business or sustain your business when you don't know what type of fish are going to be out there. You don't know what you're going to catch. You don't, um, you know, great seasons are great, but I, um, you know, and and there's going to be some great seasons here in the future, but, um, there's going to be, uh, a similar number of seasons where, Unexpected things are happening because of the changes that are taking place in, in, in the oceans. Mm-hmm.
0: I think one of the things that's so interesting too with Sitka salmon shares, and I know Richie has shared this with us as well, is when you're when you become a part of a share, it's not you're not ordering the you know the particular fish that you want to have. You're mm-hmm. you're getting the fish that are available at that time, which is really a big part of that. I mean you don't we don't really know what's going to be coming in or what's going to be uh, available at different times but I think as a as a customer of, of the shares, I think it's really interesting because it opens us up to trying things that we've never tried before mm-hmm. and um, to really just be open to seeing what else is out there. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think yeah, you know we, seeing how we, yeah, I, I it, it is a unique part of our model, and it's a direct adaptation to uh, to make our model more resilient in the face of climate change. Which is we have what we're projecting, <laughs> and uh, we have projected poundage, and you know eighty five percent of the time we're we're close to we're we're right on to what we're projecting, but. You know, what we didn't want to get into a position doing is, you know, when fish don't show up, uh, what are our options, right? You know, do who, do we want to chase after fish that aren't there, or do we want to put pressure on the ecosystem, or do we want to put pressure on our fishermen to go harvest fish? And we've really embraced and adopted this idea, which is, you know, we're going to provide our members the highest quality seasonally appropriate fish that are out there that we're hard that are that our fishermen are harvesting and you know we're going to tell you what we're projecting the harvest and we're going to give you a species composition that we're projecting to appear in your boxes but if the fish aren't there <laughs> the the other options are are not what we value which is you know. Buying from bigger boats, putting pressure on fishermen, putting pressure on the resource, buying from other, um, you know, unknown sources, um, that may not hold the same values that we hold about transparency and, and sustainability and quality. So, you know, we, we tell members you're going to be happy with what you get. And if you're not happy, you can give us an email and we will, we'll figure something out for you. But yeah, I think one of the most detrimental parts of, you know the whole seafood system is it's 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 a pretty chaotic thing. Wild fish are pretty chaotic. They're only going to get more chaotic and unpredictable. And then, you know, the, to ask a market, which you know markets are based you know around predictability and consistency, but it's impossible to do, and increasingly more impossible to do, in the face of the changes that are happening because of warming oceans and 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 uh, and ocean acidification. So. You know, saying that this is what we think is going to happen, but if we have to change it, it's we're, we're relying on on nature and relying on our fishermen to be our guides um, through our through our through our CSF and through our program. And they
0: are the ones that are that are getting that information to you. Now, I know in our next segment, now we're going to come back and we're going to talk with Richie about some of the new things that are happening this year, and also a um, a premiere of a documentary that you guys are a part of. So when we come back, we're going to be taking a look at that. But Richie, can you share with people where they can go to learn more? What is the website? Yeah, we're
2: looking at com, And um, everything's right there on the front page. You can dive in as deep as you want.
0: All right. So when we come back, we're going to continue talking with Richie and Nick. And we're going to learn more about Sitka Salmon Shares. To read the online edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, visit NaturalTwinCities.com. You can find a podcast of this show on AM950Radio.com or on Apple and Google Podcasts. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We will be right back. Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings Magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today we're talking with Nick Mink, the president of Sitka Salmon Shares and their Minnesota community manager, Richie Mann. So Richie, you have some information for us about some things that are coming up with Sitka Salmon Shares. So right now, you guys are... Starting your new season is like
2: yeah, it's really exciting. We just we launched um, this uh, just two days ago, um, our 2020 season. So we have a short period about a week that between our end of our 2019 season and then our, our upcoming 2020 that we just kind of don't do any enrollments. There's no sales happening. We kind of regroup, um, and then we launch um, everything. And so we have currently four shares available, and they're incredible. Um, and you can you can jump online and kind of research them yourself. There's a there's a gamut there's there's a um, our premium share which is our most popular um it's one of the, actually the only share that has um, our spot prawns um and that is a 9 month share i think that's what you had candy mm-hmm. right yep. um and then it goes down to our 7 month um, our sika seafood share and then it jumps to a 4 month share which is a um a Sitka salmon share, which is just salmon, that's our original share. That's four months. And then there's another four months, which is called the Taste of Summer. It's like a sampler. It's kind of an introductory, kind of get your 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 feet wet in the company and see if it makes sense for your lifestyle. And so there's there's a really a, lot, a large range from nine to four months for anybody. And within those, you can um, – anybody that goes to the website, you can kind of see the different variety of species that are in there, the different price points um, – and, yeah, that's what I recommend. And we're doing um, in the month of October is our most um, deeply discounted um, opportunity for any of these shares. So we're, if you go to the website, you'll see the promo code um, that is applicable to each share. And you can just use that promo code for that discount off. And this is the – if you're thinking about it, I would do it now. We weren't gonna, we're not going to run these sort of deep discounts at all through the rest of the year. So October is the, is the month to do it.
0: And so explain to us why you do the deep discounts in October.
2: Yeah, it really has to do with kind of mitigating risk for our fishermen. A lot of what Nick talked about, these fishermen, um, these owners of our company, there's a lot of investment up front in the beginning of the season for whether you be a farmer or a fisherman, mm-hmm. just a lot of um, you know upkeep and whatever it might be. Um, and so having a really strong idea of our membership enrollment and projections in the early front end of our season helps our fishermen tremendously. So really, it's that idea, if you ever sign up for a CSI, you usually pay all in full. That's the same kind of concept. And you do have that opportunity with Sicka Salmon Shares to this month and through the whole year, to either pay in full, which is much appreciated and there's a bit of a discount for that, um, or you can also do month to month. So you're not, you know, it's whatever fits with your with your um, financial situation. But yeah.
0: And October is such a great time to get in. I mean, you know, if you look at your own personal finances, October is good. You, right it's before the holidays, yeah, that's right. it's before tax season. Treat yourself <laughs> a little bit, yeah,
2: yeah. And, <laughs> and you're, you can you know, get it
0: all taken care of, and then just be surprised every know, month when it shows That's the best part because
2: you'll forget about it until our first month's uh, shares deliver in April. So, if you sign up for anything now, um, your first, the earliest share you can get is is going to be starting in April. Okay. Yep. yep.
0: Yeah and and it is surprising how long it lasts. Yeah. Every time every month when the new share comes I'm like wow, we have another one. I can't believe that it's come that quickly. So
2: And you can always I I think I've told you this this fish because of the way we take care of it and the way we, our freezing process is so incredible. It, it's a year long, about a year long freezer life that you have on your fish. So Don't have to eat it all at once. It's not well. That's good to know. But
0: we haven't had a problem trying
2: to. uh, (laughs) We do have a little extra every month. But I'll tell you, yes,
0: exactly. Mm -hmm. So you also have some other things that are that are coming up.
2: Yeah, Minnesota has been really fun. Twenty nineteen has been incredible growth for Minnesota. Our community is growing uh, rapidly, and with that, are going to be coming some really fun events down the pipe for twenty twenty. So one of the big things that we're actually doing nationwide within all of our hubs um um really in the, here in the Midwest is uh, our last man fishing um, premiere last man fishing is a documentary about a 60 minute runtime um, that we helped fund along and produce along with uh, Patagonia and so this is a kind of a, a deep dive into um, the challenges of small boat fishing um, along the Pacific um, along the coast there uh, up in Alaska specifically with some of our fishermen and um, and so it's really just about that community. It's about the struggles it's about the positive end, it's about the negative end and we're doing a premiere um, with partnering with Patagonia here in St. Paul along with the Alaskan Wilderness League as well. We're going to be doing a give back campaign for the Alaskan Wilderness League which that money will go towards Tongass, the Tongass National Rainforest which if you don't know um, as a listener the the rainforest and the the ocean are um, intimately tied together and so if our trees aren't Healthy than our fish or salmon aren't healthy, so we're giving back um, um, to the Alaskan Wilderness League. They'll be there, um, and that is going to be November 11th. So um, you can sign up on BryantLakeBowl.com and buy a ticket. I think it's ten, eight dollars in advance, and then uh, come and see us. We're giving away some fish, some some cool Patagonia gear, and then I'm doing a gala today. If anybody wants anything to do, um, the Friends of the Mississippi is doing their their year long or their yearly annual gala. Um, And we're giving away um, one of our great shares as well as um, some fish on site. And we donated some money to just kind of show the support for the great muddy, the big muddy, the the great Mississippi River here that runs through the course of our (laughs) – of the Midwest. It's so important. so we are um, trying to help raise money for restoration of the river as well. Great. Yeah.
0: So how would people get – where is the um, movie or the premiere – so the premiere, I know where that's going to be. But right. the documentary, where is this going to be shown?
2: It's it's going to be at Bryant Lake Bowl. They have a theater there. It's about eighty five person theater, um, and so it's going to be shown right there on site at Bryant Lake Bowl.
0: Okay. Yep. And can people see it anywhere else? I mean, is it going to be traveling? Is it going to We're, be? Yeah, they're
2: going to be pretty where? much select showings. I think Nick um, mentioned he's going out to California. Um, Next week, and are you Oregon, there? Oregon. Oregon, yes, next week, West Coast premiere. Yeah, so that's really exciting. It's it's in some it's in a film festival, uh, festival or two that I know of, but um, I'm going to be doing a couple other showings too later on in the spring. Um, some events, and you can really catch a lot of the stuff on our calendar if you wanted to see the movie. But um, it won't be for public viewing on YouTube or you know okay. anything like that. It's going to be private showings only. So very neat. Yeah.
0: Okay, and then what about? the holiday season. you have anything coming up for the holidays?
2: We'll have to keep that in our back pocket. We do. <laughs> we always do. Um, we're going we're kind of working on some cool promotions for people. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll keep you informed of that candy as, as that rolls out. Um, you can always catch us though at our farmer's markets. We are done with our, we almost done with our outdoor season, but we have our indoor season kicking in. So you can go to the website and click under farmer's markets. And then if you're here in Minnesota, you can see where we're going to be at. And just pick up a couple pounds of fish if you need it or come and talk to one of our incredible stewards that will be on site and answer questions about enrollment if you want.
0: Okay, And I'm going to encourage people to take a look at Natural Awakenings yes. Magazine because I will make sure Richie shares what their specials are going to be for the holiday season Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. We'll get them in there. All right. Well, thank you, Nick and Richie, for being with us today. Yeah, thanks, we really Andy. appreciate your time and your expertise. So to learn more and to take advantage of um, – the special offers that you have in October people can go
2: to com. Front pages has everything you need to know.
0: Great. And to read the online edition of Natural Awakenings magazine or to check out our complete online calendar of events, visit natural twin cities.com. You can find a podcast of the show on AM950Radio.com or Apple and Google Podcasts. Thank you for joining our conversation today as we awaken to natural health. You've been listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And I'm wishing for you a lovely day. Lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, lovely day, day.